Let's talk about circumcision of the heart on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and today I'm going to be talking about circumcision of the heart. Now, I might be one of the very few podcasters uh, today that can honestly say that I have performed hundreds of circumcisions. <laughs> as a family medicine doctor, and I did for 15 years, did OB as well, uh, circumcisions were a part of my almost daily routine. And circumcision was an interesting portion of the covenant in the Old Testament. And I want to talk to you about that because we don't live in the Old Testament anymore. And so things have shifted and things have changed. I felt like as I was praying about this podcast, that this is a good sort of beginning of the year type podcast to kind of ground us and and give us some, uh, hopefully some solid teaching about where we are and how we are to live. And you hear me so often talking about being ambassadors of heaven and and, and reflecting his culture here on this earth and that we have the, that role to play here. So what does that look like and what does that mean for us and 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 where do we live in relationship to heaven? You know, heaven reveals itself to us and it reveals itself to us progressively. Now, we hear about, you know, liberal progressives and we we kind of shudder and and sometimes we think progressive is just as the wind changes and as the wind blows, we also change. Well, that's not what I'm talking about here. Progressive revelation meaning that the Lord always builds upon what he has revealed before. What came before isn't canceled, it's actually built upon. And so when we talk about the fact that he gave what I call the first great commission to family, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, that was the first revelation given to mankind. And all revelation since then has actually been built upon that first revelation. He always moves from glory to glory. And the glory that we live in now doesn't cancel the prior glory. It's just built upon it. It's progressive. He says the latter house will be greater than the former house. It doesn't mean that the former house had no value. It's just that the latter house will be greater. It'll be, he always moves us into that greater thing. And that's how it is with the law and, and his word and how he gives that to us and reveals that to us. See, the law was given to mankind before the blood of Jesus, before the new covenant in his blood. And the law could not save, could not save, cannot save, will never save. See, Moses wasn't saved. <laughs> I don't know if you ever thought about that. <laughs> Not until, you know, the disciples themselves weren't saved until Jesus hung on the cross and the blood was shed for them once and for all. So they lived unsaved in a law that couldn't save them. Now there is a a new covenant that came through the one, capital O, Jesus himself. But even he said he didn't come to cancel the old, but to fulfill it. See, 
the Old Testament I've heard taught had a hunger and Jesus actually satisfied the hunger. And it's only a savior that could do it. Now, when we are separated from the perfect blood of a savior and we're living under an old law, you have to be externally ruled. And I think this is super important. When we are externally ruled, and the law was that, it was an ex- something placed upon us externally to control and to guide our behavior. And those external rules could never save us. It could only just kick the can down the road until the one, capital O, could come and actually save us. And the external rule, that law, the covenant that was given uh, in the Old Testament had an external sign. An external rule has an external sign. And that sign was circumcision. The Hebrew men would become circumcised. That would be an external sign that under the law, they were under covenant. It was a shedding of blood. It was a, 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 a ritual of covenant that would take place. And it was a beautiful, powerful thing, but it could never save them. So then Jesus came as the Savior and he formed a new covenant, quote, in my blood, end quote. And this new covenant is a greater covenant. Now, I did something this past year in 2022 that I've never actually done in the 53 years of my life. Um, I've actually read through the entire Bible and did it systematically and followed a plan. And true confessions, I'm not quite there yet. I'm in the first week of January. I'm hoping to actually be done by the end of January. So I'm only a few weeks behind, but I'm doing all very well. But you know, you get into that Old Testament part when they're talking about the law and the sacrifices and the and the temple and the cleansings and the sprinklings and the and you get through those things and your eyes tend to glaze over um, because it is so feels like cumbersome and so often. We have sat in the seat where we're like, oh, I am so glad that we don't live under that old covenant anymore because that seemed like a lot of work. That seemed like it was just going through the motions of ritual and it never really could save you anyway. And while that's true, what I would like to submit to you in this podcast is that the covenant we live under now is a greater covenant. It actually requires more. See, Jesus came and flipped everything on its head. I, don't, I think you know that. I think if you study Jesus or, or have read the Gospels, he came and flipped everything over. He, he brought in his covenant that was based on grace and love. And he actually came upon us. He died. He uh, rose again. And then he released his Holy Spirit, which not only give us external control, but internal control. Acts 1, 4 through 8, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, capital P, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The phrase come upon you actually means to indwell, an indwelling. 
And it's actually the sign, the Holy Spirit in us is the sign of the new covenant. You shall be a witness. People will see it, it says, in all of the, in every aspect of the earth, will see the Spirit in you as an internal sign, internally controlled by the Holy Spirit. And it will be a greater covenant and an experience than even Adam and Eve could ever experience. It's the sign of the new covenant. It's a circumcision of the heart. See, we sometimes equate freedom as freedom from the law or free to do as we please. But actually the freedom is from the bondage of the law or justification through the law, or trying to be good enough on our own strength and power. And we all know that doesn't work real well, does it? But now we are subject to the law of grace, which is summarized in one word, love. This is an internal rule based on grace, love, and an intimacy with the one who indwells in us. It's a beautiful thing. I don't want to make your head spin with all of this, but but this is the new reality in which we live. And it is a greater covenant, but it is not a covenant that is lesser or quote-unquote easier. <laughs> True, it's we don't have to sacrifice animals and sprinkle blood and 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 kick the can down the road. It is settled once and for all through the blood of Jesus. But Jesus came to flip everything upside down. Jesus came to create a new and greater covenant. So what does that look like? Romans 2, 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, out, outward control, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. Listen to this. In the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. That is a monumental Bible verse. It's not an outwardly sign. It's an inwardly manifestation of his spirit in us. Matthew five seventeen through 48 and the beginning of chapter six. We're familiar with this, but once again, Jesus came and he flipped everything over. He said, do not think that I came to destroy or cancel the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, I love that, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. A lot there to digest. But once again, he is saying the scribes and the Pharisees, they obey the old law, the old circumcision. And Jesus is coming to bring something that exceeds it, that is greater than that, has a higher standard. He will fulfill the law and the prophets and create something that is based on grace and love that actually surpasses it and becomes greater. 
And then he actually goes into the soliloquy to give some examples. And I think this is super helpful to us because we have to understand where we live and how we live here on this earth as his ambassadors. You've heard it said to those of old, old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. It says of old that you can't take another person's life physically. But under the new covenant, under the new circumcision, the circumcision of the heart, it's anybody that just holds cause against a brother who swears at them, is angry with them, at least lashes out at them. They are murderers. You've heard it said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her. Where? In his heart. Do you see the shift that's taking place? Do you see the shift that Jesus is calling out for? It says before you just shouldn't sleep with anybody who's not your wife. Now it's saying if you even look at them or lust after them, you've already slept with them in your heart. That's what he's saying. It's a higher standard. It's a higher calling. It exceeds the law and the prophets. It's not an easier covenant. It's a greater covenant. You've heard it said, Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you to resist, not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. He directly quotes the Old Testament and says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's the way the old covenant was set up on. I'm telling you now that I'm shifting it and that you should not resist an evil person, but give him more, exceed it, greater, grace, love. Are you catching the theme. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. New standards, new covenant, new grace. Take heed that you do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. It's the terms of the new covenant. Covenant always has terms. This is the terms of the new covenant. It's greater in scope and requirement. And it's motivated, always motivated by love. Love, love, love. You read this and you realize that we are all murderers. We are all adulterers. We, we all are hypocrites. <laughs> Every one of us, and it's by the grace of God, his superfluous, unending grace is the seat in which we sit today. It wrecks me. 
Because I know my own shortcomings. I know my own thoughts. I know the way I've treated people in my own heart. Yet his grace was enough. His blood was enough. And I am circumcised in my heart. He actually calls us to be perfect. And so you say, how is that possible? It's possible by the indwelling Holy Spirit. With man, nothing is possible. With God, all things are possible. When our motivation is love. I want to give you one last example. I was just talking to my family yesterday that the GOP, the new GOP-controlled House, is actually interested in proposing a bill that we abolish the IRS altogether. Let there be much rejoicing. (laughs) And instead use a more sales and use type tax that we tax the goods that are sold and we remove the income tax on businesses and and personal uh, income tax. And I was thinking, I said, well, that sounds really great. And I, I would certainly endorse that. And it probably isn't going to pass, pass in a divided government anyway. However, I thought, well, what about charitable giving? What about how we give? Because our tax code right now gives an incentive for charitable giving as a tax deduction. Would that change, I wonder, if that was removed and there was that not that incentive? And I want to talk just in the last few minutes about giving under a new covenant and circumcision of the heart. Matthew 19, 16 through 22, there was a rich young ruler. This isn't a parable. This is a a true person and a real story. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? But he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments, old covenant, And he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus comes to him and says, well, keep the covenant, kick the can down the road, do those things that the old covenant requires. And he said, well, I've done all those things. And then Jesus turns to him and says, become circumcised in your heart and give it all to me. Allow my spirit to guide you and to lead you. Allow the Holy Spirit to perfect you if you want to be perfect. Then give it all away and come follow me. And come follow me, by the way, is the same phrase that he used for his other disciples that were part of his inner circle. Do you realize what he was asking this man? Come follow me. Be part of my tribe. But the possessions were too great. And he could not follow that internal voice. 
See, the Old Testament requirements for giving is 10% of your first fruits. It's called a tithe. And that is an Old Testament requirement. And a lot of people think, well, now that we live in a New Testament, uh, in a new covenant, we are, quote unquote, free from the tithe. And we don't have to give that. It's not, we're not subject or under the law any further. Malachi 3, 10 through 12. An Old Testament standard, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will be not enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. See, 10%, the first fruits, bringing the tithe to the storehouse, is just the minimum standard. It's equivalent to not killing someone or not sleeping with someone. And to be clear, the 10% of your income is simply not yours. I'm not trying to create any kind of fear-based theology here. This is just the facts. If you are not a tither, then 10% and ultimately your of your production is subject to the devourer. It's a kingdom principle. 10% belongs to the kingdom. That's just an Old Testament fact and reality. And that is the minimum standard. But we are to exceed the standard. We are to be greater than the scribes and the Pharisees. So you can give 10% out of discipline and bring it to the storehouse. And that is worship, but is the lowest form of worship. Because worship is built upon intimacy and hearing the Father's voice. So I'm going to tell you in this podcast how much money you should give charitably to your church, to ministries, to the work of the kingdom. It should be somewhere between 10% and 100%. And it's based upon what the Lord tells us. It's based on intimacy. It's based on the spirit that's within you. See, we can be manipulated or we can feel manipulated. And it's hard for pastors to give this message because people question their motives. But the bottom line is, what is the spirit telling you the minimum he's going to tell you is to give 10% otherwise the devourer takes it but like the rich young ruler it could be selling it all and following him what is the voice of the Lord telling you see we live under a greater covenant a circumcision of the heart see a church can also impose external control. You need to give. We're going to pass a bucket around. We're going to put it in front of your face and you're required to give 10%. It's one way of doing it. It's not the highest way of doing it. The highest way of doing it is to give from internal control. This is what the spirit of the Lord is telling me to give. And it'll be somewhere between 10% and 100%. My friends, this is a call to greatness, an understanding of who we are. 
And when we are circumcised in our heart, as the Bible, as we just read in the Bible, the whole world will see it. And that's what this podcast is about. That we enter the world as changed people. And as they see the spirit in you, for those of you who have walked in the spirit and walked in the kingdom, we've all had those experiences where somebody has said to us, boy, there seems to be something different about you. There's a joy in you. What they're seeing, what they're sensing is the Holy Spirit that's within you. They're sensing this greater covenant. They're sensing the grace and love that's been given to us by Jesus through us and is manifested on the face of the earth. And yes, we can have ministries and we can have podcasts and we can have pulpits and we can have different ways of expressing and, and showing and demonstrating the Lord on this earth. But the greatest demonstration is our lives the things that we do, the way that we say it, the people that we love, the expression of our hearts towards the world. And when it's based and centered on his grace and his love, the world can be transformed in a generation. I believe that. I believe that's why this is a good message for the beginning of the new year. Thank you for hearing my heart this week because you live under a greater covenant, greater responsibilities. It's a greater, a greater requirement, but it's greater. It's better. And we serve a superior God. So let's go together now to set and shape the culture. <laughs>